I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. For this episode, we're linking up with Mike Bartels, a golfing creator from St. Louis, now residing in California, and Kyle Walton, the founder of Gimme Golf Club, a new St. Louis-based golf community designed to provide affordable golf for everyone. We'll get to know them and have an interesting chat about new ways to create a greater sense of community in the game. It's a really fun conversation. Hope you dig it. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on. Um, and also thank you for dealing with me constantly chasing you both on Instagram and the DMs to be on the podcast. It's great to have you guys. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to chat with my uh, fellow St. Louis friend here and uh, looking looking forward to a good hang. Stoked to be here. Question. You guys are both in St. Louis, yes? Mm-mm. No. Where are you now, Mike? I'm actually in Northern California, so I'm about... 45 minutes east of san francisco um in the east bay area but i've been in california for four years i'm born and raised st louis and then did you guys meet prior to you leaving st louis no there was no there's no connection between you guys in the st louis days no we had like a creepy instagram meetup at a bar love those (laughs) no it was like we just had chatted and uh kind of had a a bit of a common um, acquaintance. And then he, I think you were coming, I think you came in town because you still work at a place that's in St. Louis, right? That's head, headquartered out St. Louis or not anymore. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I, I work for a company called Worldwide Technology, which is a tech company. But yeah, their office is not far from the Gimme Clubhouse and Kyle. So yeah, I was actually thinking about the other day, Kyle, my like, God, how long have we actually known each other? And it was right before you did the US Open tour. And that first uh, PGA show that you're getting ready to go to. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, really, that's kind of the first time that Andrew, you got on my radar, right? Didn't you were like, you're like the lone, the lone fan at Wingfoot or whatever. Didn't you take some pictures? Yes. I was the only fan at the U S open at Wingfoot, which was very weird. Hopefully that ever, that never happens again. But yeah, it's funny how uh, Instagram and golf brings people together in a, in a bizarre way. It's really funny. Yeah, it's unbelievable, honestly, uh, what the specifically the Instagram platform has done for my career is has been uh, I mean, I wouldn't have one probably without it. It's great. I wouldn't have any of my golfing friends without social media. Like (laughs) I have buddies who like to golf, but their idea of a golf trip is like nine holes and then going and hanging out. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like a golf trip is 36 holes minimum. And then we go from there. So without social like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have any friends out here and i wouldn't have any like golfing buddies right no it's cool so i'd love to take a moment quick introduction this is kind of like my favorite part of the podcast um comparing this to a round of golf you get paired up with two randos which happens to me a lot and you're you just hit your drives you know first guy's down the middle mike's down the middle uh kyle's probably down the middle right side i'm left in the trees and then we're walking and it's like, so like, you know, how long have you been playing? Like, what, like, what do you do? Just a quick little introduction. Cause I think some of our listeners might not know you guys, um, you know, so yeah, int- take a second, introduce yourself. Who wants to go first? Should we flip a coin or Mike, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say age before beauty, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, been playing golf my entire life. Uh, my grandfather got me my first set of clubs when I was like in second grade. So was very fortunate to be around the game. My dad 
lived in another state when I was growing up, but also loved golf. So I would go up there in the summers and absolutely sort of mob golf courses with him up in Indiana. And yeah, play. I've just been around the game my entire life, played in high school, played in college, went to majored in golf management my freshman year of college before sort of bouncing out and moving into different things. So I've always sort of been around the game. Currently, I I feel like I've got a decent hack going on as far as being around the golf industry. You know, they say if you if you want to play golf, don't work in the golf industry. <laughs> but currently, I I uh, am a videographer, photographer um, in the golf world that has uh, sort of recently been making some content around some of the majors and doing other stuff for brands and things like that. But then, you know, most recently, um, I have this thing called the Gimme Golf Club, which is sort of a modern take on a country club that exists here in St. Louis. We have revenue shared share deals in place with 11 public golf courses. And then we have like a 5,300 square foot facility that I'm in right now that has three simulators, a putting green, a full-time barber, a bar, um, my studios in here where I work from every day. And uh, it's just a place for community and culture. And then our members can go out and play um, public golf courses. So um that's that's sort of like the two things that I uh, that I do. And then, you know, obviously just hang out with a bunch of people on Instagram and, and try to go meet people and play golf. Fun. That's fantastic. I mean, it's very interesting. I do want to talk a little bit more about Gaming Golf Club because I do think it's very interesting. The model of and you're seeing this happen in golf in different ways where people are breaking, breaking through and kind of like redefining what it means to be a club in different ways. I think in some some ways we're trying to do that in, in our with our app and what we're doing, too, where it's like the traditional confines of one club, one, one golf course, one clubhouse, like I think those days are over and people are looking for ways to connect and have a sense of community like Instagram. Um, so it's interesting just to see kind of like that, that evolution in golf. Um, but quick second, then we'll get to Mike and then we'll talk more about gimme. So golf management as a major, what was that like? Well, I only did it my freshman year and so here's the deal. I went to a, it was a school called Tri-State University in Angola, Indiana. In Angola, Indiana. It had an 18-hole golf course on property, on campus, and a, a driving Amazing. range. About 30 yards from my dorm room was the first tee, and about 40 yards the other direction was the driving range. So um, I didn't go to class much. <laughs> my freshman year, I missed the golf team by like, half a stroke average. So like I, I did really well in juniors that summer. And then like I came up for tryouts and you had to play five rounds, I think. And they took your, they threw out one and they took your average. Sure. My mom came, my dad came, my mom, I, I step, my step parents came, like my, my girlfriend came and I shot a 91 on the first day, like absolutely could not pick the golf club up. I had no idea what happened. <laughs> like they, they left mid round and they went and like stocked my dorm room for me. They're like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, we'll go handle this for you. Right. And they went home. I think I averaged like 77 for like the other four rounds and like missed the team my freshman year by like half a stroke, but wow. 90 people in the golf management program, they had full 90 field tournaments every week. It was sick. This is wild. Yeah. You just walked out and there was like, yeah, here's a, here's a match play tournament that they're going to start tomorrow. Like here's who you're playing against. And so I, I mean, I had like a 10 minute before class rule. I didn't, I left 10 minutes before the professor got, if he wasn't there 10 right. minutes before that started, I wasn't on the golf course. So, um, it wasn't much, a lot of intro stuff. Um, a few like calligraphy, like classes, you know, like just, it was just all of like the, the basics getting stuff. into the basics. And then I left, I, I just, 
I wasn't going to have what I needed um, after the four years. And I figured if I was going to, honestly, I found uh, my, my wife pretty early um, it, it, when I was dating and I was like, I'm going to work weekends and holidays for the rest of my life. Like I, I probably need to, and that, that's an option, but. Right. That is true. Like it's, sounds great. Oh yeah. I'm always going to be on a golf course, but then you're like, I'm going to work literally every weekend and every holiday because that's, that's prime golf time. Those are the busiest days, man. That's it. <laughs> so Mike, give us the quick one-on-one on Mr. Mr. Bartels, please. Yeah. So I actually got into golf because of work. So uh, about 13 years ago, I got a corporate America job and I decided that if I wanted to skip out on days, and kind of not work that getting into golf would be the way to do it. So I started getting into it. I kind of got into like the whole Scotty Cameron world and all that stuff. And then that kind of led me down the road of other people and like other brands. And I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of, kind of grew from there. It was, you know, Scotty Cameron. Then I met my buddy Tyson lamb. And then I saw what like Kyle and other photographers were doing on Instagram. And I was like, Oh, I want to give that a shot. And then it just kind of kept, evolving and snowballing and yeah now i'm just kind of meeting random people on social media or anywhere playing courses taking pictures and that's kind of it nice that's awesome now are you a kind of like a self-taught photographer or did you did you study that in school at all or no no yeah completely self-taught i mean i didn't pick up a camera until probably five years ago and i mean i'm by no means like of the level of Kyle or like a Christian Hafer or JP or Marsh or Han or anybody. Um, but it's fun. I mean, you know, I, everybody always asks me like, doesn't it slow down your pace of play? And I'm like, no, actually it doesn't. And it allows me to see the golf course in way more different ways than just like looking down at the ground or looking where my ball's at. Like you're looking to the left, you're looking to the right, you're looking back at the tee box. I mean, you know, right. It, it just, it, it opens up the course visually for, for me at least. Right. That is interesting. Kyle, do you like taking pictures when you play? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm just playing like locally, I would probably be taking uh, pictures of like, if I'm playing with some Gimme Golf Club members or something like that, just to sort of do that. But yeah, I absolutely if I'm out playing, like if I'm, you know, on a trip, or if I, you know, head out to a place to play, like I'm, I'm absolutely taking pictures um, while playing. Got it. Now, are you taking pictures for fun? Or are you taking pictures for work? I can't take pictures and, and play golf if I'm getting, if I'm getting paid for it. Got it. Yeah. Cause it, cause I, one of two things is going to happen. I'm not going to play ever. I'm not going to play all 18 holes cause I'm going to do some work in there. I'm going to take sure. a couple. So I'm not really going to card a score, which at that point I'd probably just like try to find time on the property to do my job and then find time to play the golf course. Right. It's interesting. I feel like, I don't know, earlier days, maybe me three three to five years ago especially prior to work now like this is my official first job in golf um i i mean full transparency when i'm playing golf casually like sometimes my brain will go into work mode where it's like okay like you should shoot a couple things so you have them for something and i kind of hate that because there are some rounds where it's like, I don't want to pull out my phone. I don't want to take a camera out. I just want to play golf and be here. And like, we can be completely off the grid because it's, you're right. It's hard to toggle back and forth. And especially if you're getting paid for it, like that's just, then you're just working. Yeah. I can't do that for sure. But I've, I've, I can tell you that especially recently I've brought my camera to quite a few rounds of golf and didn't take a photo. Right. It was just like, nah, it ain't, it's not happening today. 
Um, so you know, I totally, it totally resonates with me, but also like, I do like taking fit, you know, there's a lot, I've been playing, I've been around the game my entire life. Like I've, you know, I'm, I get, it's in me. And, uh, and there are, there are a lot of things that like, you know, even playing like local munis and stuff, like it just makes you feel things or it makes you think mm-hmm. back times. And there's like a, a nice little, like, you know, you know, whatever, like, uh, you know, sprinkler head or, you know, so- something that you see that just makes you like, remember something. And those are sort of the things I'll take a little handheld and just kind of, you know, take those things that kind of capture, I don't know, more, more emotionally than, than visually for me. And that's sort of how I've leaned into photography in the golf space in general is I'm not really interested in like the landscape stuff. I'm more interested in sort of the little, little moments that you find in a golf round that make you, that make you feel something. So I'll shoot those, but I, I don't, there are many times, like you said, I've taken my camera and it just doesn't make sense. There, I, there are times too, where I'll be going out to around and maybe the course that I play every week, right. For mandatory midweek golf, we play the same course every Wednesday. And sometimes my buddy can't make it. And I'm like, you know what? No music, no camera, throw the cell phone in the bag. I'm not even going to have my back pocket, go out late twilight by myself. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the best rounds I ever have. Just listening to the birds, walking alone, having that kind of soft light come in. And it just gives you the right feels as you're walking, you know, walking the course. For sure. Oh, there's, there's nothing better. I love a soul. There's me solo twilight is my jam. Like, <laughs> Just because there are so few opportunities with life and work and kids and family and jobs where you just get that moment of just calm and quiet. And for me, yeah, I love it. I want to go out at 4.30 by myself and play nine. Like, it's it's the best thing ever. It's it's really fun. Yeah, agreed. I, I used to be that way. I, I'm I'm much less that way now. Like, I, I had so many friends that didn't play. Yeah. Golf for me um, post-college and, uh, you know, newly married was a lot of that. And it wasn't big, it wasn't out of choice. It was just that that's, I didn't have anybody played or, and then I slowly like won over all my friends to be like full sickos. Like I am (laughs) like if I, and and I have this place here that's, you know, there's 430 members now and it's like, what? Wow. Yeah. Like we, we can play, like, I, I, you know, we have a Slack channel, you know, that has a T sheet on it. And every day it's like, got this, you know, got two spots available at this time, got two spots available at this time, got three spots available. Hey, I'm by myself. Anybody want to play? And it's just like fills up all day long. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder for me to justify, you know, going out and playing by myself. Although I used to like it a lot. I like it less now. I really value time with people. And if I can sneak a couple of my buddies out and spend a couple hours with them, I think I'd rather prefer that. But hearing you guys uh, talk about it in such a romantic way maybe makes me think I need to maybe revisit. <laughs> just, just dump your friends. Be like, has anyone heard from Kyle? I haven't heard from him in a, in, in a month, but I know he's playing a bunch of golf. Is That's funny. I'm seeing a lot of photos. Yeah, I'm on golf. <laughs> yeah, 430 <laughs> golfing buddies. Like it's hard just to kind of sneak away without somebody being like, hey, well, why didn't you hit me up? Right. You, you can't sneak away. No, not anymore. That is really funny. One more question about photography that I want to talk about. Give me, do you guys think this is a, a semi hot take um, with the rise of, and you know, I think more people are exposed to golf photography, like, and especially better photography. And I think that more people are 
picking up cameras like i'll put myself in the mix right more people are picking up cameras and like really embracing photography as part of the golfing experience which i think is really cool at the same time on the other end of the spectrum one could argue that and i guess you could say the same thing with graphic design where more people are getting into it which is growing right which is good because you're exposed to it and that i think it, if anything like raises the collective creative awareness of the entire community uh, but at the same time, the people who are at probably like the the top of the pyramid, the ones that specifically use that tool to pay their bills, right? The professionals uh, and whatnot. Is there is that a disservice to the ones at the top, or is it one of those things where everyone kind of has to learn to get along? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Uh, yeah, it makes sense what you're asking, but you said it was a hot take. I didn't. What's your take? No, my take is that. And I, I feel like I go back and forth. My hot take is that the people that are getting into the game, like, and it's the same thing that I'd say for like young designers. Like I went to school for graphic design and I studied, you know, traditional graphic design and advertising. And I know how to design a package and put together an ad campaign and et cetera, et cetera. And with the rise of tools, your canvas, your whatever's of the world. And the fact that so much of, uh, the digital landscape today is saturated by so many tools that are allowing people to get to places faster than, than the tools that I had at my disposal when I started working in advertising, right? That changes the entire landscape, right? And at a certain point, the value of what I do or the perception of the value that what I do from other people in the space, that value changes. I'm not going to say good or bad. I'm saying that value changes because then it's like, okay, well, my friend can design a logo in Canva. Like, why can't, like, why are you charging me X? Or my buddy has an SLR, like he can go take those photos. And my hot take is that the ones that are getting in the game should kind of like fall back and learn the ropes and not get to, there, there's a creative cautiousness that I think a lot of amateurs don't take. It's the same thing with golf and I think with life. It's where you learn some things and you get kind of cocky and then you think, okay, I'm ready for blades and you're not. So I think that would be my semi hot take. I don't know if that's hot. It's just like, there's nothing wrong with picking up a camera and learning a skill. But I think at the same time, like know that the people who are at the top of the pyramid have mastered that craft. Like when Christian Haver takes a photo, like they, like he knows how to do things with a, with a photo that I would just don't know how to do. I was shooting at a uh, memorial and I texted him and I said, Hey, Christian, like I'm going, I'm going hundred percent manual today. I'm just going to try it out. Cause I'm, I'm big on like, I, I don't consider myself to be a good photographer. I'm an amateur. I can, I can point it and shoot it. And I kind of know how to frame it and crop whatever I can get away with it. Um, but I'm like, put it on aperture priority and like, just, and just make it work. And, you know, he's able to do things and like really master the camera, like understanding shutter speed and aperture and F's like, it, there's just a higher level of, of creative consciousness that he has that a lot, a lot of people don't have. And I just feel like a lot of amateurs in the photo space don't really understand like how to get that. And I just think there just needs to be a little bit of a like respect the craft, master the craft and like respect the people that have put in the time to get to that point because it's not as easy as you think. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, right? And I can sit, so you're talking about the tiers, right? The top of the pyramid, the Kyle Waltons, the Christian Hafers, all those other people. And then like, as the pyramid goes down, I would kind of put myself more towards the bottom. Uh, you know, I think the people who are really good at what they do, 
are always going to obviously stand out, right? I mean, they're the these people are the inspiration fire why a lot of other people are picking up the cameras and giving it a go. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of like having those people kind of fall back. I think those people kind of recognize like I'm not as good as the top, but maybe striving to figure out how to not necessarily get there, but like, you know, work sure. your way. Cause not everybody picked up the camera and was like, you know, boom, 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 you know, fire photos everywhere. They all had this like learning curve of, you know, how do I do it all? Right. Like I was like you for a long time. I would just honestly put it on automatic fire away, look at my camera, look at the settings and be like, Oh, I really like the way that one looks and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, make a mental note of what, you know, the aperture shutter speed, all that were, but yeah, I think, you know, I think those people will continue to always shine and continue to be really, really good. Everybody else will just kind of be there. But at the end of the day, like no matter if you're just picking up a camera or using a camera forever, I look at everybody's photos of, you know, Hey, how do they crop that? Or how do they, you know, what, what does that look like? And they kind of take notes of like, cause somebody who's brand new at something may take a really cool photo that inspires you to kind of go out and take another photo. And somebody who's been doing it forever is going to do the same thing. So I don't know. I kind of, maybe I'm the opposite of you. I think that the people who are coming through should kind of continue to use the really good people as inspiration and the people who are really good will always shine. That's fair. I think the, the frustration or whatever you'd want to call it, or, you know, where that nets out, I think it's understandable. Um, I have a, I have a graphic design background as well. And, have seen these, you know, platforms pop up where, you know, you click, you know, the WYSIWYG editors, you click three things and it looks pretty good. And you're like, well, I mean, right. okay. you know, so <laughs> I, I get that. And I think there is a, 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 maybe a lack of refinement in the craft as an exchange for, for either dollars or exposure or whatever. Like, I think that that has right. kind of tipped a little bit. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't fault anyone for trying for sure. I'm, I'm three years in here. Um, that's it. And, uh, I did a lot of stuff for free. Um, and I know a lot of people that would probably say that that's, um, not the way to do it because you're taking, um, from, from somebody who would have done that for, for, for money or got paid for that. And it sort of changed, uh, the system and how, you know, brands or people or whatever, look at that. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. disagree with that, but it, it is what I did. I, 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 my, like my superpower is hard work. So like, I was like, I'll do it all. I'll, I'll get better. I'll, you know, put in my 10,000 hours, uh, doing whatever I need to do. And then at some point my wife was like, Hey man, like these shoot, these free shoes aren't paying the mortgage. <laughs> like, right. you know, all this stuff isn't getting it done. And then, and then it's like, okay, so then, you know, then I got better and then it started turning into to money. And, and now that like, that is like the whole point of this whole thing is like me, you know, me turning down these most recent opportunities, like that was what was paying me. And, and I had to do that in order to build up this, this golf club. Um, And so, you know, I don't fault anybody for for the hustle at all, but I do think it has changed. um, It's changed the ecosystem a bit, but I do think that the best guys are you know, or girls are, are still like getting the opportunity and it's their works, their work will speak for itself. Like I have, no, sure. I have no doubt about that. Like I'm not, I'm not concerned about, uh, about those opportunities. Um, but it has changed. It's definitely changed the landscape. Yeah. It's fascinating times for sure. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Gimme Golf Club, because first of all, I didn't realize it was this big. Like you guys are 436 members, 437, including you. Is that correct? Or did I add one to I'm member, I'm member number 001. So I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not only uh, the president, but I'm also a client. Outstanding. So how did this whole thing get started? Question number one. I, I also want to understand who did the branding for it, because it's sick. Um, where did you find that giant golf ball head that you used to, to shoot those hats on? Because I found it online the other day. Take us back to the very beginning. Yeah, so it's, it's three years old now. We started, we launched in sort of like March of like COVID. So a very interesting time to launch. We did not have a physical location. It was a digital community. So the plan was is to kind of have these revenue share deals in place with a handful of public courses and sort of barter golf with um, memberships and then do what I'm good at, which is create community, create culture, um, you know, create brand like me and JP Burks, um, a good friend of mine who's uh, sort of, you know, I call him your favorite creator's favorite creator. Um, he's really good at what he does. Um, and he sort of came in very early and was like, I think it's because of Mike actually, like Bartels posted something about Gimme Golf Club. And then JP was like, Hey, I think this need that I wish we had this in St. Louis. And Martels was like, it is in St. Louis. <laughs> I'm, I'm from North County. Like it's a, you know, like a, it's, if you're from North County, it's like, and JP's from North County. So like, he was like, Hey, we need to meet immediately. Like you are doing exact, you're doing something cool. And I want to be a part of it. He came in, he was like, this is what I do. I do branding. I help, I can help with merch. Like I can make this thing like, let's go. And so he got on board then, and he's the one that sort of helped with the branding and, and, you know, he can take the, the, the credit for, for most of, of what you see visually. I, I have some opinions, but he's, he's sort of the brainchild there. Um, and so, yeah, truth be told, I didn't know how it was going to work. So here's exactly what I did. Um, you know, in this chain landscape wise, this is different, but I went into three golf courses and I, and I had a $10,000 check. Yeah. I said, I need this to represent 500 rounds of golf. That's 20 bucks a round. Like that's in St. Louis. That's like borderline twilight rate. So like 25 bucks, 27 bucks, maybe in St. Louis, it's Midwest, like golf's pretty affordable. Um, mm -hmm. so I was like, I need this to represent 200 rounds of golf or 500 rounds of golf. And if I go over these 500 rounds with my members, I will give you a $2,000 bonus check. If I don't, then you'll win. And they were like, how many members do you have? I was like, zero. They just snatched the check up. <laughs> and so Gimme Golf Club was turned on by basically me sort of just betting on my ability to kind of do what this thing. So um, got a handful of guys on board. Um, I have yet to run an, a single ad. Everything's word of mouth. Um, we have not done anything paid at this point. Um, and that's important. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, that goes through a whole year. Um, and then COVID hits and then we have winter and we don't have a facility. So we dropped down to like, you know, 20 members, like nothing. And cause like everyone left in the winter. And so we realized quickly, like, Hey, let's maybe right. we buy this. We get this building, had a business partner named Kenny come along. Who's, you know, the heart and soul of this place. He's amazing. And, uh, so then we get this facility and then the next March, one year later, we kind of open back up. And then that's where we sort of, you know, hit this hit this moment where we have this facility, we have a place that people can go. Um, they don't, they don't quit their membership in the winter and then we keep them in the summer as well. And that's sort of how for now that revenue share makes the most sense. Cause 
the courses tolerate us in the summer, right? But they love us in the winter. They love us right. when there's seven inches of snow on the ground and we're still sending them checks because we have members. Right. So that's, you know, that's really the the origin of the whole business was at least in St. Louis. I don't want to put, I don't want to put golf now on blast because I think they've, they've made some changes to the way that they do things. And I, I have some inner workings and conversations with courses that, you know, these guys are providing them with hardware and software goods and like providing them with some value in exchange for these tea times that they're giving them. But at least sure. in St. Louis, those hot deals were causing a race to the bottom. Guys were playing this golf course for 10 bucks and it was a hot deal. And then they come back the next week to play. They're like, well, why is it $40? I paid $12 last week. And it's right. like, and right. so then all of a sudden these courses started doing this and then all the courses, you know, started looking terrible and then everyone's complaining. And I was like, okay, like the models broke, the models broken. I'm going to make the golf course, my customer. I'm going to find out how to bring value to them. Cause most of these guys are underpaid and overworked and they don't know how to run an ad, let alone, you know, get the tournament organized plus, you know, do food and beverage and they, you know, PGA pros at these local courses are like, it's like a one man show. They do everything for sure. If I can provide some loyalty, if I can provide some good branding and some community and I can get people to kind of freak with this course in exchange for maybe a little cheaper rate and, an ongoing payment, then maybe we have something. And so that's sort of where it birthed out of, um, you know, started with three courses, got to six. Um, we now have 11 golf courses that our members can play. Um, and yeah, 430 members. We have one, we have one clubhouse here in St. Charles. Um, and then we're opening up a second clubhouse South County, which is about 30 minutes from here, which is set to open up in July that will, you know, be able to take on, you know, more members and, and then open up subculture there. And, you know, these, houses can play each other in matches and there's like a whole sort of you know you know 2.0 to this thing that we're that's taking most of my time once you build a club in a community like it just automatically creates and you, you kind of have to get to this this point of uh you build a club you build a community and then you you kind of have these little factions in the community and then you can kind of like do other things contests like et cetera, et cetera, because everyone wants to rep their squad and everyone wants to have a group and have some sense of belonging. And it's interesting just to even think of it beyond just the traditional confines of a, you know, what you call a traditional country club, seeing people respond positively to it. Like, did you ever think about expanding Gimme Golf Club to other cities or you're like, dude, chill. We've been reached out. We've been reached out to by probably 10 different cities now. Um, yeah. But it, first of all, it's, you know, we haven't found that duffel bag of money just yet. Uh, and, and, and I think the, the, uh, the economics needed to make sense, right? For sure. I'm an entrepreneur and I have thoughts and opinions on how to run a business, but I'm, I'm only two years into like running a business. So like the economics didn't make sense, uh, at first. And we're like, that's an ongoing process that we're getting really close to me being like, yeah, I think this business can scale. I think it can make money. I think that investors would be really happy and I think it could go, but it's, it's just was, wasn't there yet. And I, you know, instead of giving up, uh, you know, a lot of equity in the company, we just are just failing forward and trying to make it work. And so that when mm -hmm. the right time does come, I think we'll have a better handle on our business and we'll be able to, you know, with, you know, with sincerity and, and honestly say like, Hey, like this, this is a business that can go anywhere and, right. and can succeed. But yeah, it's, it's crossed my mind, but also like, I, I trust the community and culture we built too. So like, I'm not, 
you know, there's a world where like, if you see this place and you see these, you know, all these trinkets and gadgets rolling around and you know that I'm here and there's like some substance to it all. Like there's a part of me that's like, if we repeat this, it's just like an Applebee's with a bunch of golf stuff on the wall, but we don't have like the actual substance and culture. So like, I'm not in a hurry to like blow this thing up and lose like what we have, which I, I do believe is, is special. And I think it's important to, to the game of golf. Like, I just came back from Scotland, man. Like I was, you know, at, at St. Andrews and there's three separate golf clubs on the 18th hole. Like this isn't anything new, you know, these guys, you know, St. Rule club, you know, new club, Oak, you know, St. Andrews golf club. These are all golf clubs that operate independently from the course. Right. They just have an agreed upon scenario where they can play the golf course. So um, I don't think we're necessarily being innovative. I think golf in America has gotten a little weird. And I think that they need to, people need to rethink how it's done. You know, like we, we had a, a Glen Echo country club here, 1904 held the world's held the Olympics prior, you know, here in St. Louis, they had a day for giving golf club. They're like, Hey, your members want to come out and play. And I go. was like, yeah, I do want that. Like you guys are actually, you get it. You get it. I had a guy come up to me that said, I lived on the outside of that, of that country club for 20 years of my life. I've never been inside the gates of that place. He's wow. like, and I have to come in and play for 50 bucks. Thank you so right. much for making that happen. More clubs need to do that. For sure. It is interesting. Now it makes me want to just unpack. First of all, I'm not a member anywhere. And I've always, I never, I live in New York and membership here is crazy or you're just not, you're joining a, a crappy course, but it makes me think about just in golf as a whole, just having golfers do a little bit of an audit of what clubs or communities in the space am I actually invested in? Like, what am I paying for? Like, you know, there's and there's lots of different things. There's random golf club. There's no laying up. There's you know there's there's flyers like you know different clubs like that. Like, are you guys part of any other? I'd be curious. Are you guys members at any traditional clubs? And then on top of gimme or maybe other things, maybe we can start with Mike. Like, what traditional and non-traditional clubs in golf are you affiliated with? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess I do have one question for Kyle. Of your 430, how many national members do you have? Yeah. So that's actually, we don't really have many and that's like, that's, that's next. So like the, we, we have a national membership right now, but it was just done. It was executed poorly. Um, and so we're going to re up that in a way that's going to provide uh, more access. Um, hopefully we're, you know, we have our first member guest this year. We have a member member tournament every fall. Like it's going to maybe provide some access to that sort of stuff. And then like gifting and merch and stuff like we're going to do it better. So it's going to be called the clubhouse collective. It should be launching in like the next couple of weeks. So, so I would cool. out of that number, none, I'd say there's maybe six to 10 people that have sort of won off the national membership when we had it for sale on our, on our website, but it's not mm -hmm. that four thirty is, is local. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, I low key cuss Kyle's name every day for not coming up with this idea when I was still in St. Louis, because it, I mean, it's exactly what St. Louis golf needs, right? Because by no means is St. Louis golf, and we've talked about it, Kyle, it's not super exciting. I mean, like you don't walk out to many courses and be like, oh, this place is sick, right? But when you have the community and you're doing things with other people, like the course is just the venue that holds the fun. I mean, there's that's it. And then the clubhouse they have there, I've been to league nights before. It's a blast. Everybody's hooting and hollering. Everybody's having a good time. Mm -hmm. The one thing that they do there that i tell everybody who has a simulator is if you birdie on the simulator you putt for validation and i'm like that is 
one of the coolest ways of going about like simulator golf. Like that's, yeah. that's just awesome. So to answer your question, Andrew, um, I'm not a member anywhere out here in Northern California. One, it's crazy expensive, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's not many courses that are cheap from a private standpoint. And there's just too much good public golf out here. Um, I mean, I can drive two hours and be in Monterey and play anywhere from Pacific Grove to Pebble Beach, right? Uh, so, you know, you go to San Francisco, you have Harding Park or Sharp Park. There's, there's just so much good golf. Um, I am a part of the Flyers Club. So I've been with them for probably four or five years. And then I do have my bag tag that says I'm a national member at Gimme. Yeah. Out of all of those, I guess, experiences, a little bit of public, a little bit of flyers, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you have a favorite, a favorite like experience that you've had? Because I'm just thinking about like what opportunities for community, you know, maybe we can start with you, Mike, and then go to Kyle, but like, what because i'm just curious to really get to the heart of you know when you think about this idea of community within golf what have you done or what experiences on the golf course through whatever association either you showing up at a random public course or going on a trip with flyers like where have you found the most joy or has it been like a mix of everything i think any of these clubs whether it's gimme and you're playing the courses in st louis or you're doing you know the trips that they do every year or it's flyers club where you have the ability to play, you know, really awesome courses from like myopia to going over to Ireland and playing golf over in Ireland with them. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's just an extension of what, you know, social media is right. Like you, you meet these people through social and then you actually getting the opportunity to meet them in real life, right? Like play real golf with them, have a good conversation, have a beer with them, which I love because then that's where the personal connection comes in, right? You can DM and text all day, but once you make like that bonding of spending five days, you know, on the road with somebody in a foreign country playing golf, um, I mean, that's really true friendship comes along, in my opinion, with golf. Um, opportunities that have kind of popped up from this. I mean, I've, I've got to do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, that I would never have the opportunity to do. Like we did, I went to Ireland with the Flyers Club and we had the opportunity to take a helicopter from one golf course or where we were staying to Old Head, which is kind of on this peninsula, absolutely beautiful. There is no way that I would ever be able to do that, you know, if I went on a trip with my buddy. So that that was something cool we got to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of, my thought, I mean, it's the, the thing with all these clubs, whether it's gimme or flyers or new club or whatever, is what I'm witnessing is that a lot of the time they're regionalized, right? So like mm -hmm. flyers club and new club are global or, you know, completely within the United States, but it seems like most of their stuff is happening where they're located, right? So a lot of their stuff is happening on the East coast or a lot of stuff mm -hmm. is happening in Chicago. And then what falls by the wayside is kind of these other regions, like the West Coast, um, you know, kind of Colorado area. Like you don't really, you kind of take yourself and put yourself in these little bubbles of your region. And it's very rare that people actually branch out and do a ton of stuff across the country, right? Not one or two events on the West Coast or in Colorado, and then nine or 10 events on the East Coast. It's like, yeah, they need to do an equal amount on the West as they do on the East and in the Central. because. For me, like East Coast is flooded with good golf, 
but it's a pain to get to the East Coast from the West Coast. I mean, it's an entire day of flying. It's way more yeah. expensive. So, I mean, you're burning a day of PTO for travel back, you know, there and back. And then totally. whatever, you know, most of the stuff happens during the week. So you're eating up that too. So that's kind of one of the things I've, you know, observed from the sidelines with all these kind of brands popping up and these different, you know, groups popping up. Interesting. What about you, Kyle? Like what have been the dopest experience you've had? And maybe it could be just through Gimme or any other experiences on course. I would say like for, for me particularly, uh, because of, uh, I think the ethos of Gimme and the everyone only um, tagline, like that goes both ways, right? Like we're not anti-country club. Like that's not the point. Um, the point mm-hmm. is, is that I do believe there's a world where there can be affordable golf uh for everyone to sort of participate in and and i'm trying to sort of hack on that formula to to make it work and uh you know we have events here and you know like i've 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 used this example i mean we got guys that are you know members at bell reeve and members at you know they're like they here's my card like i'm not going to play any of these courses but like this place is amazing and it needs to win and like here here like thank you for this and let's make this happen and then you know like i've we've been in an event before uh, and as a random drawing event where we had like 30 or 40 guys all playing one hole. And, you know, we, we do these little events where we, we call them community events. Like I had a guy that, I mean, no one knew it, but his net worth was probably worth more than every single person that was there. And yeah. he got, and he got paired with a guy who literally came up to me the day before and was like, Hey man, can you like, can you wait to pop my card for my membership? Because my, you know, my check, you know, is, is a week late or something. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. And like, and they were none the wiser, right? And they were on this this municipal golf course and it was just golf, man. It was just golf and there was not, there was nothing else. And so like stacking up those moments um, with this club is what I think is, is sort of the secret sauce. Like there's, there's just no, there's no drama. Um, Golf is sort of the great equalizer. um, And, and it allows these people to interact in a way that, uh, you know, if they're coming from that side of things where there's, um, you know, socioeconomically, they have more money in and they, you know, like I am not opposed to someone that has the financial means to pay, to be able to play a course that they can get on whenever they want. Like I'm here for that conversation. I get it, but like, there's a whole other side to this thing. And, um, it's been some of the best moments have been when some of those guys, right. Like some of those guys who are in a different position than they used to be or whatever, come over to gimme for a league night. And they like, they, they pop open the bush light. <laughs> they kind of like, remember, you know, they like a remember and they're like, right. Yes. And they, you know, they let their hair down a little bit and, and, and sort of interact. And, you know, and I, I think those are, you know, for me now, at least those are the moments that stick out, uh, the, the most for me, as far as what this community is sort of creating is, is just like, there's just so much, uh, there's all this like weird hierarchy in golf and, uh, golf is people, man. That's all it is. It's just like dedicated time spent on a a piece of property where you can't run away from them and you're just going to interact with them. And, and most of the time, like very rarely have I, finished around a golf and been like, Oh my gosh, like never playing with that guy again. Like usually the, the, the common equalizer is golf and you can find right. a way to, to enter, 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 entertain, uh, have it, you know, have a good experience and, or, um, find common ground. And, and, uh, the, the, you know, that's what I'll, you know, that's what I believe Gimme's uh, doing in sort of a, 
a unique way right now. For sure. I do love the, I love the high low opportunities that golf provides. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, one day you're playing some private country club and the next day it's the muni pitch and putt. Like I think uh, a life in golf is best lived when you have both and you embrace both to their, to their fullest, because that's just golf. It, it, it goes both ways. I mean, even down to like, I know we just, we just saw the, the U S open at probably like the, the most valuable plot of land in LA, which is insane. I think the number was like $80 billion, which is, which is insane. And then, uh, you know, the next one, I mean, Troon is not a, Troon is a private course, correct? It's not like St. Andrews. I just played it. Yeah. How was that? It was awesome. I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure. I, I think they're, I mean, it's, I think it's private. Yeah. It's gotta be. They definitely have a member logo. So, I mean, but then they allow, obviously all those, again, all those courses over there have a, you know, typically a day or two where the general public is allowed to participate on, you know, the property. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, you know, I think that's some of the interesting thing about what we do over here is like, I understand it's not going to happen across the board, but I do think there's a, an avenue for, you know, right now, at least here, you know, a lot of the private clubs they're you know, the Mondays are like their charity tournaments or whatever. And it's like some of the people that are on that property, you know, gotten up that golf course that shouldn't be out there. <laughs> You right. know, and it's like well, here's 400 sickos that are gonna take care of your golf course. Yeah. Like that will that will pay to play. Like let's have a conversation. Like let's talk. It's, it's fantastic. Do you guys each have your favorite high and low, and no shade to the lows because there's got to be a low. Do you guys have your favorite high and low golf course in your respective cities? Like Mike, what's your like the the most mint country club like super proper dress code vibe experience that you have out in Cali? And then what is your favorite go-to like Muni shorts, t-shirt, like hang, knock some balls around th that type of thing. The high of courses that I've played um, probably cow club is the top of that list. Um, I mean, it's super, I mean, Kyle's been there super relaxed. Like you don't have to wear pants. You can wear shorts. The boys are in the bar afterwards, having beers, hanging out. I mean, that place is like incredible. I, you know, SFGC is right across the street. Haven't had a chance to check that one out, but I hear that's uh, very proper, uh, very mm -hmm. different from Cow Club. And then the low end of it, honestly, would probably be like Sharp Park, which is just outside of San Francisco. It's an Alistair McKenzie course, but that's very much like you can't tell the fairway from the rough from, you know, the grass that grows in between the trees. It's just a super vibe. You just go out there, have a good time. And kind of forget that you're playing an Alistair McKenzie course, you know, that's kind of in the heart of San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. I, here, in, here in St. Louis, it's just a lot of, a lot of private clubs and then, you know, just a handful of public courses. Um, so uh, St. Louis country club is CB McDonald. Um, it's, you know, template city. It's, it's all of it. You know, it's, it's every hole is a different template and it's beautiful and, you know, I think there's only what 12 or 13 CBs in the country. So it's, mm -hmm. that's it for me. Like, and I've, I've still, and look, I, I still only play most of my, my, uh, country club golf on Mondays. Like I'm still just out there when it's closed and hanging out with the, with the maintenance crew. That's when I still play my country club golf mostly, but, um, so I can't speak to the experience, uh, inside, but, uh, but 
I love that place. Um, got to, got to, you know, got to play it for the first time last year. And I've, you know, I've been a kid, you know, that's been eyeing these courses my entire life as a kid who's been around golf. So that was a good one for me last year that I was able to knock off. And then, man, we have a Friday night skins game at like a, muni a Baldwin municipal golf course. And Baldwin here is actually like, it's a, it's a nine home uni, but it's really good. Like mm -hmm. it's actually like kept nice. There's like three person like maintenance staff that absolutely keeps the course in really, really good condition. And we go out there uh, every Friday night and we have what we call our potluck and uh, we have a big skins game. We had 52 people there last week um, for a massive skins game. And uh, that is probably like my Muni, like heaven, like you show up and there's already 20, 30 guys there. They're, you know, having a couple beers, like chatting about, you know, the week and we go out and we mob the golf course together and, and uh, like, it doesn't get much better for me than, than that from a municipal standpoint, it's definitely not a low, like it's, it's a good golf course for sure, but, but it's, but it's, it's municipal. It is, it is owned by the city. Right. That's fun. Yeah, you got you got to have both. I'm trying to think of the ones that I've done here in New York. I mean, I haven't played that many private clubs. I played a few. I'd probably have to say that Hudson Hudson National is probably like the the mintest one. It's and for me, the qualifications are not just a really beautiful course, which they have, and it's just the design is amazing. Uh, the people there are super cool, and I have a I have a weak spot for a really nice golf course that has a really nice practice facility to me there's nothing better and the the range there is so nice they 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 dynamited i mean luckily one of our co-founders ben climber is a member there shout out ben for for inviting me they're doing a bunch of work at hudson this year so they're, they're actually going to be closed for the next i want to say eight eight months or so um but the range there i think i don't know last year or the year before they dynamited like it's you look at pictures online it's ridiculous like one side of the range has this giant rock wall and then it's huge they've got like track man in every stall but it's like and it's vast and big and open and you're away from everything and it's it's really cool um my low my kind of like down and dirty go-to is here in flushing queens there's a pitch and putt it's called Flushing Meadows Pitch and Putt. I freaking love that place. Um, when my wedge game has completely deteriorated, which happens from time to time, I, I go there. I know I can just roll up whenever there's nobody there. Or there's a couple people like you give the guy like 15 bucks and then you just kind of like hang out and like work on some stuff. You have to hit off the mats on the first hole so you don't get yelled at. And then after that, just drop in the grass and just work on some wedge stuff. But yeah, it's just like, you know, I love that I can go there and it's literally in the middle of Flushing Meadows. Like if you walk, I don't know, it's probably 200 yards away is where they play the U.S. Open for tennis, the, you know, Andre Agassi. So it's right there. And then there's soccer fields and Shea stadiums like across the train tracks. It's just, it's just regular folks playing golf and it's nothing special. It's just like, it's simple and small fuzzy greens that are kind of mossy but it's just it's just easy and fun and free there's kind of like no holes bars and like people are in shorts and whatever and you just kind of hanging so i i love both i've heard flushing meadows more over the past like two years than i have you know forever the name just keeps popping up on like whether it's like random podcasts or talking to somebody in that area like that name just keeps popping up all the time yeah, yeah. and did you say did you say it was free 
Uh, no, it's not free. I mean, it's like, I want to say it's 16 or 17 bucks, something like that. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's fun. It's, it's, it's the best. Uh, yeah, so I love that place a lot. And it's a good, uh, and it's easy for me to get to. You know, you, there's like a parking lot on the side, like depending on the day of the week. If there is a Mets game, you have to pay to park in the lot. So you throw the guy five bucks. But if there's not a game, you just park for free and then you walk across the street. So it's, yeah, it's just like low key, rinky dinky New York City hustle grind golf, which is fun. So yeah, that's it. Now, now that we've, uh, we're, we'll wrap up here, I, w- I do want to talk a little bit about just to get your own predictions about golf. We just finished the US Open, which was epic. I mean, Wyndham, Wyndham killed it. Uh, we'll probably release this episode in the next, I don't know, week or, week or two. Um, definitely before the, the British Open. Who are you guys thinking is going to take the British Open? Any, any like initial thoughts, ponderings? I mean, Rory won here the last time it was there, right? That was his, that was his Open win. And he's playing really good right now. I don't know. That's, I'm kind of thinking that. I'd love to see Ricky with the bounce back. Mm-hmm. kind of come, come through and win that. I think that would be awesome. But yeah, I think Rory's kind of setting himself up for another one. I can, I can see that. I really wanted Rory to win. I mean, I, of course I wanted Ricky to get it done, but um, I felt like that was probably less likely than, than yeah. Rory. Um, always been a fan of, of uh, seeing Rory play well. Um, if it's a major and, Brooks Kepka can walk. He's probably going to find a way to get involved somehow. I mean, maybe this, this week being the, uh, the outlier, but, uh, sure. and, and then Scotty, I don't know. It felt like Scotty just played terrible this week and he was like third, like right. the guys absolutely, you know, Sicko. it's unbelievable how bad he puts and how good and how good he still is. And he just creeps up out of nowhere. <laughs> He's hitting it like, like, like 2000 2001 like tiger good and mm-hmm. like because of you know an occasionally bulky putter like he just i don't know it's amazing that he you know he's hitting it so 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 good that he's is still in contention so again if he's if he's got a club in his hand he's got a chance i just like drama man like i don't really i really don't have like uh you know like a dog in the race per se for golf like I just really like to see Sundays matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wyndham story was awesome. Like after the putt went in, right? Like there was yes. like, I really want Rory to get it done. I really want Ricky to get it done. You know, I saw the story about Wyndham. I've read up on Wyndham. I'm like, oh, that, that'll definitely be feel good. And it's like, hey, dude, like three putt, three putt this and give Rory <laughs> a chance. And then he knocks it in. He knocks it up close, knocks it in. And it's like, ah. Right. It wasn't until it was done that I was okay with right. it. Uh, but he Did seems you, like a legit guy, man. He seems obviously like, you know, two wins recently and he's getting after it. So I don't need, I don't need, uh, doesn't really matter to me who wins. I just like Sundays to matter. Right. For sure. I think that's fun. And that's what makes golf interesting. Cause I think a lot of people, especially as the game has grown, uh, grown, I think, you know, I feel like some golfers are really, really interested in watching the professionals play and some of them can't be bothered they're just like all right i might i might watch sunday i might not like uh i think i i go back and forth like some days i want to watch a tournament and some days i'm like okay I'm, i'll poke around on my phone and, and watch highlights but i think yeah it for me it goes back to just is it good and like our guys playing especially you know being around adam and like seeing how seeing they're all amazing they're all all those guys that make 
like actually make the tournament and qualify are so good. And I think a lot of people forget. I mean, it kind of goes back to the earlier conversation about just photography and design, but like those guys are at the top of the pyramid are so talented. You have no idea how good they are. I think a lot of the times uh, people forget one, how good these guys are. And then just the margin of error where it really dictates if you're on or off to me is probably like just working in golf and being around the game more, especially at the highest level. That's the part that I find the most fascinating because it's not just like Rory's the best, Rory's going to win. It's just like, who's on today? And it could be Rory and it could be somebody else. And that part I think is really cool. The last guy in the field goes on a heater and that's yeah. They can at least make, make some noise. And that's just how good all these guys are now. It's crazy. They're so good. Same. Remember when Terrell Hatton went off, I think it was on the back night of one tournament and he went from making like 150 K and because of his back night, he made like $2 million because he yeah. went crazy on the back nine. I, yeah. I love PGA golf, but truly I enjoy watching college golf the most, like whatever's on, whatever's on golf channel, like around three o'clock here. Like, you know, yesterday I was watching the women's um, ACC tournament. Um, and I just love watching that. I, I wish we get to see more corn fairy stuff too. I, cause like those are the guys who are grinding, who may be like, you know, a PGA level player, but right. just got to go through the grind to get there. And I, those rounds, you know, it, with the PGA, we're talking about winning around is just making the rich richer. Right. I mean, ultimately a lot of these guys are making a ton of money for the most part, but when you talk about the, you know, corn fairy guys, like, every round matters so much to them because it's sure. either make or be their total career right i mean it's just it's just there's more to it for me when you're watching those guys right that's interesting i wonder if there's a way because obviously with the unfortunate reality around media exposure with with golf is that you have to get through that like what channel is going to give you access who's going to pay for it can they sell ads viewership etc cetera, etc cetera. especially when you think about mass media consumption they may or may not be interested in watching a corn fairy but when you think about just for the overall good of golf and getting exposure and actually seeing these authentic and real moments and seeing guys grind it out because i do think you're right it, there is a fair <clears throat> and necessary experience at that level that golfers need to see because you have to get to that point to get to, to get to the top which i think is really cool i'd be curious to, to see if those those entities could find creative ways to expose more golfers to the game without having to necessarily go through those traditional media channels. Cause I, cause it's tough. I get it. I mean, an NBC or a golf channel, they might air that stuff on Saturday during downtime, but like for the most part, it's like they can't because they know they can't sell against it and they can't guarantee the views. So it's like you get into this weird conundrum where it's like, Oh, you want to, but then you can't because for all these reasons that the traditional structure has, has put in place. So, they're, and yeah. they're doing, but they're doing what the eyeballs see or want to see, right? Like they're they're doing yep. it off data. But I thought what they did at the at the LPGA event that was at uh, Liberty National, the Rose one. Yes. Um, they like took like the last like I think they added an AJGA like tournament within the tournament. You're right. They did. Yes. Anna Davis was in the last group, but she's not even pro. She was in right. the final pairing because she was one of the top five or six like AJGA participants in that tournament. And they put them out like in the twosome with the leading groups on Sunday. So like Anna Davis, like was playing with Rose. Just got to play. 
and, and was playing in a tournament. And like what they were doing was uh, like a points game. So like you never knew what they were in relation to par. It was just like plus Fantastic. 50, plus 40. And so like there was none of that. Like there was no comparison to like this right. like amateur to this pro. It was no, this amateur's in second place right now. The girl behind her and the group behind her is in first place. And you could see their points. And it just had like the AJGA logo next to her name, which. Interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. And I was mm -hmm. like well, this is cool. Like you want to do a corn fairy event inside of a PGA event. Like, right. Fascinating. So it was a game within a game basically. So they, they basically finish out the tournament and then like, all right, well you guys are, you know, position one, position two for the tournament, by the way. Yeah. You, here's your medal for winning the AJGA event. That just so happened to be at Liberty national in the middle of an LPGA tournament. Right. And then, and then you get, to, all right. Oh, you're going to get to play skins with whoever, whoever. That's sick. That's it was it was very interesting. Now I will say on the other side of it, I'm sure I have to ask Adam this next time I'm with him. I think there would be the one part that makes it interesting is that the guys at the top of the pyramid, it can't be like, you know, level, we're not competing for the same thing because we are competing for the same thing. You have to go through the same same rungs that I right, which is fair. But to have a little side game, I think that's cool. Like a game on top of a game and you're just playing with another guy in the group. Like he's not stopping you or whatever. It's fine. Saturday and Sunday when you're trying to cut, you know, you're making checks and stuff. Like I get it. You don't want a guy out there in your group. That's going to blow up and shoot a, an 82 or something. You know what I mean? Cause that'll happen sure. more times than not. But if you let him in there, you know, Thursday and Friday, you'd much rather have a corn fairy guy that has a chance of competing in the golf tournament than some, some pro am. Right. So like yeah. shine, shine a little light. Like I, I think your conversation about how, a logo goes a lot farther on a corn fairy player um, when they're actually going to get a little bit of Thursday, Friday TV time, which is like an angle I haven't even really considered, but is, is very true. Like right. that would just bring more dollars into the potentially more sponsorship dollars into the game. Cause everybody can't go get the top 50 guys. So if you can guarantee totally. that, you know, I'm going to at least be in these three or four Thursday, Friday tournaments, um, man, it could be pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm all for the storylines. I'm all for sort of that secondary stuff. And again, obviously America is too. Right. Fun stuff, guys. I can do this all day, man. <laughs> Let's keep going. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.